Okay, so yeah, what the prompt made me think about is my own experience with people of different tendencies or learning about different anarchist tendencies and then what the way this is written and the way that the tendencies are proposed or framed tell about the author of the of the prompt itself or the topic of the week. So I'm excited to talk to you about it and hear some of the motivations behind writing it this way. Um, I share some of the critiques of the tendencies. I also think have some differences of opinion maybe, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to hear your motivations. Yeah, I mean, when I wrote this, I'm I'm not thinking so much of like finger pointing at other other people, other tendencies, other groups, pitting them against each other. Although I I do want to like stir shit up, so to say, in the sense of like making people react uh, in a knee jerk way, thinking maybe it's about that or about them. Fuck the alarm sounded how unnecessary. <laughs> Fucking eleven thirty alarm. That's a that alarm I don't need that for today anyway so <laughs> yeah as I was saying it's not so much finger pointing but it's like different ways I see things sometimes or are used to think see things and changed you know it's not like permanent changes some people I, I've seen people talk about this on, online in some mm -hmm. of our spaces some things like uh like going back to head spaces you were once in And uh, it's it's like you 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 haven't really erased your past self or overcome it. It's like it's part of you still, even if you developed into something else. So you know, first I talk of maybe a bit more movement type thing, and then maybe a bit more individualist type thing, and then maybe a bit of disillusionment with both. Mm -hmm. And I certainly share all of that, but it's interesting because. The examples I mentioned by name in the first paragraph, not as examples, this is not a fucking historical text, this is more like a fucking, it's not a poem, but you know, it's like a, it's wordplay, it's nothing else, it's nothing mm -hmm. to be taken more seriously than that, than a, some wordplay. So, you know, the, the people's will, the black banner, and uh, the people that were referred to back then as Besmotivki, or whatever, however it's pronounced, that were, you know, accused of being without motive and accused mm -hmm. of being nihilists. It's funny because, I mean, right now, by individualists and egoist standards, they would see them as pretty red, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, it's funny how, you know, the, the same group that can be seen as, uh, you know, this social, pro-social, this group building thing, like from another standpoint, can be seen as like the, the disruptors, the without motives you know the, the rebels without a cause the ones that just want mm -hmm. destruction so i mean in the first paragraph you can like see how one group or posture can somehow hold to contrary things and then in the second one it's something 
you know, you can read Noah Torre, you can read Wolfie, you can read Max Turner. It's this thing where they inflate the the individual their, themselves, like this potent thing, you know, like they can overcome. And mm-hmm. But if you look at their lives, or anyone's lives really, it's just that it looks more pathetic when you're claiming to be grandiose and then you just have the same life as anyone else. It's just the way you're framing it <laughs> and painting it for yourself. It's not like you're special, so to speak. But of course, mm-hmm. we're all unique. It's just that it's trivial and mundane how unique we are. It's just whatever. And, you know, I started the conversation, I mean, responding to your thing about tendencies, but there's something else that goes beyond that. And, and I'll get to that. But then to get to the last quote unquote tendency, it's not a tendency. It's just, uh, you know, seeing the people that are individualists and seeing the people that are collectivists as not even being the, the most relevant or defining thing. It's just people being people and their warts and all their defects and how sure you can come up with schemes and culture to deal with what you think are the problems you you find in dealing with people but it's not gonna like solve or overcome the hardships of dealing with people and it sounds trivial i mean and i don't want to go too long on a like speaking without you jumping in but (laughs) this is what i point to at first because whatever hobbs it's not like I read Hobbes and then they said, ha, I want to talk about Hobbes. No, but like if you read the Saul Newman text that is um, linked in the references below, he references Hobbes and Foucault. And basically he says that power is not this commodity or this thing that you own. It's not a position that you hold. It's also, or rather, it's, a, you know, the outcome of interaction, social dynamics, like everyone wields power. You can, you can, they use that word power, whatever. I, I, I don't even like using that, but the, like, the takeaway is that in every interaction, there are traps and there are, you know, ways in which we can become powerful or become disadvantage in the power relation or whatever and then whatever the the thing is a lot of authors like this their you can say takeaway it's very uninspiring it's just a liberal at the end of you know we'll do the best we can by interacting in society it's like yeah in every interaction we'll we'll try to be good and make good institutions and make good everything. It's like, wow, your whole fucking takeaway, you read Nietzsche and now you overcame resentment. So now you can be a liberal fucking, wow, (laughs) outstanding. And uh, Mm -hmm. the other text, the April whatever text, I think she's a liberal pacifist as well. And uh, whatever, if you look at fucking egoists or this very spiky antisocial type, I read some, some stuff that people write in Spanish that it's not so like easy to find in English from, you know, Spain or Argentina or Chile. It's like... They're antisocial and they're very, like, you would think they're, like, eco-extremists, but they're not even, like, eco. You know, they're, they, they don't care about saving the environment or anything. They're just, like, fucking mad and misanthropic mm-hmm. and stuff. And, you know, you can read this stuff like, whoa, this is really fiery. But it's, like, fucking edgy teens or, you know, when you go down to the bottom of it, it's just people with fantasies and making myths and culture and projecting and making art, kind of. So... Like, mm-hmm. it's it's really hard to take anyone, any one of these groups seriously with their lack of effectiveness, lack of results, their pitfalls historically and all of that. So, I mean, it, the prompt is kind of like saying, like, I mean, there's nothing beyond society or people. Like, how are you any different? Why do you think you're going to overcome this? Like, if there's already a critique of the populism of trying to overthrow a ruling class or whatever, because it's Manichaean, and then you also critique this academic nuanced way of whatever of doing nothing 
or this inflated egoist way of doing nothing. I mean, not I'm not saying nothing as if the only alternative to like activism is nothing. I'm just saying like like what is it? What makes you different from like the ordinary person? I don't know. Whatever. That's that's the prompt. You go from there. We can we can say more things later. Yeah, I mean that's hard. That's hard to answer. I think there's ways to use all of these things to justify or like feel like your life is more interesting than it is or that you're doing something different and then there's ways to use these ideas to catalyze yourself and the people around you to be at conflict with your surroundings so i mean yeah i, I don't know maybe it is just a matter of framing what's going on in our lives and we are maybe not so different from the people around us and I'm not sure if that's like a good or bad thing um, necessarily. I think it all just, again, it's like, it's hard. It's hard to think about it in general terms for me because I just kind of get lost. It's like the, the number of possibilities that I've even seen of somebody that is say some kind of social anarchist, the number of ways I've seen that manifest and the number of personalities I've seen interact with that kind of approach to anarchy is already quite vast. And then if I expand that to all the ways I can imagine that happening, uh, I just get lost. You know, I just get lost if I try to extrapolate some kind of like generalized uh, statement out of that, you know, and the, the same thing goes for this more individualist approach. And reading the prompt, I was kind of thinking to myself, like, what has been my experience of dealing with, say, social anarchists? Um, versus individualist anarchists or more mythanthropic ones, or maybe, you know, just some kind of blending of those things. And I can point to just as many kind of narcissistic personalities or ones I would maybe describe as that, that are social anarchists, as I can to ones that are individualist. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's just one way. It's like all of these things are certain currents and modes of thinking within this really broad an open-ended thing called anarchy and they themselves are really open-ended as well i think and so um, i don't know yeah i mean it can't i i mean i've seen these things look like just you know i i guess an example and i'm, I'm a little hesitant to use examples because i don't want it to sound like i'm just like picking on some group of people or something but i'm gonna do it anyway um you know i've seen social anarchists do some kind of act a bunch of activist projects or something but ultimately, it just seems like what they're trying to do is party together um, and then have like a side activity that makes them feel as if their social group is like important. But when you step back and look at it, it just kind of seems like, you know, another social club that's just uh, likes getting together and partying or whatever. And the reality kind of seems like they're not like what you're saying. Like, it's really not that different from what other people around them are doing. They're just kind of using different language about the way they're engaging with each other or with their, you know, with their realities. Like they're framing it as part of some revolutionary project, but really is just not that different from other people, you know, or maybe they've read different books or can talk using different words. And then a similar thing can be said about individualist anarchists that also can be doing that same thing and can be looking for a social environment in which they can use this kind of language and this kind of framing and then talking about it as if it's it's something like more profound than it might be or i don't know i mean again it, it could be really profound for those people but but that is definitely an interesting thing to think about i think uh the like 
the question whether it's really that different from what other people are doing. And I guess to me, that pushes me like, yeah, I'm going to uh, zoom in to my own experience because this is just this it's like hard it's hard for me to think in this really uh bigger picture way or something um i feel like i'm getting lost like i said but uh for me what's been happening is when i get kind of bogged down into one way of being or interacting with anarchy or kind of one tendency or i i seem to stray closer into like a more like a more legible i guess version of anarchy that can be described as like oh like now you know it seems like i'm doing it this way or something i question whether i've just found a way to frame myself doing some regular ass shit and maybe i need to rethink this or maybe you know because i ultimately i know for myself i don't really want to lead just a regular life and then talk about it differently like i do want to be conflictual with the things that have power over me and I also want to give revenge on the kind of manifestations of power that exists in the world that have either caused me harm or caused me to feel less free or done that to people close to me. And so I want to push myself when I get kind of stagnant to try to think about things in different ways and find ways to be conflictual still. But that has meant that I've gone through a bunch of different tendencies. I feel like you know, we talked over email about this and I think ultimately it is true. And like when people have asked me the couple of times that people have asked me about my own tendency within anarchy, my answer is usually that I have learned from every anarchist I've gotten to know. And I've allowed, not always, you know, but like the people I really have allowed to be close to me and have been close to, those people have changed me, even if I don't agree with their tendency or whatever, but like the ability to understand how they got to where they are and how they use a certain mode of thinking to frame their own life and their own conflictuality with the society. Again, it's like what you were saying earlier, and I've I've had a similar experience. All these tendencies aren't like separate things, really. They're, for me, also have been stages in, in my anarchist life or whatever. You know, like I've gone through social stuff. I'm I'm now at a certain point. I still do social stuff sometimes. I'm misanthropic sometimes, you know, like I go through all these things. But when I encounter people that are at a point of uh, like specific positioning or something and I get to know them, I feel like I gather some kind of tools or ways of interacting with my reality. And maybe even if they don't make sense at the time, like they can make sense later. And if I get an understanding of that person, how they arrived at their position, how they use it, how it's helpful to them later on like sometimes it just clicks for me too and i'm like oh shit like i remember having this conversation with this person back in the day about this thing and we were at disagreement but like right now i see exactly what they were talking about because i'm faced maybe with some kind of a similar situation so yeah i don't know it it makes me excited about living this kind of life and interacting with people that have different positions from my own sometimes it's super frustrating <laughs> People that know me know that I can argue and stuff, but that also, I don't know. I mean, I'm doing that because I take the shit seriously. And later on, there's been many times when later on the thing I argue against or whatever, I'm like, oh shit, like, okay, I get it. Like, it just like clicks because my context changes. That's not always, but like, I want to keep doing that. I want to keep gathering those kind of tools for myself.
And then that also means I'm like getting to know people around me better. That is also can be nice, whatever, if we're talking about social stuff. I mean, also it can it can be hard, but yeah. Yeah, definitely agree and relate to the great variety, you know, between people. And if you look at things like Chompy, Wilbur and whatever, it's not like I'm a big fan of, of his writing and uh I'm not this is not this at his writing either. It's just that I'm referencing this because it's like recent in my memory, but there's so many authors <laughs> who write this uh, historical overviews. Many past tendencies uh, had this, you could say, breadth or richness. And, you know, there's some people that don't get quoted often because obviously there's Proudhon, Bakunin, uh, Kropotkin. But in the April Carter's text, which is also like this type of historical overview, mentions Malatesta, Primo de Rivera, it mentions whatever Magno, it mentions Emma Goldman, it mentions... Landauer and uh, and Stirner and and anyways with, with just these names and there's obviously many more especially people that are not big name authors that don't write just within this few names there's so many differences that you could even think that they're speaking about completely opposite things sometimes some people mm -hmm. see this as a glass half full as is you know diversity of tactics uh strengthening diversity different viewpoints mm -hmm. trans perspectivism yeah that's a fucking term. You know, and that's that's true, but it's also like this tension or this uh, discomfort between whatever you can call it principles or some people are completely against that, completely against morals and principles. But it's like, mm -hmm. I mean, if something can be anything and everything, then what is it? It's, it's even something, you know, if, if people use the same word to describe opposite things, you know, right. Are you even speaking about the same thing? It's like, I, I don't know, just to make it funny, it's like, you know, it's like a, they, say, they say, okay, we're going to have a she-sitting uh, conference and then you go and they're eating grapes and then they're saying, yeah, we, that's just what we meant by cheese. And you're like, fuck, then uh, maybe I don't want to be here. And then someone says, well, don't you mm -hmm. get it? There's rich and, richness and difference. I mean, we can call it cheese. We can call it grapes. <laughs> we can just have fun eating. And sure, I mean, you can share with different people, even if you don't understand each other, you can have a good time. But, you know, what is the initial concern that even led people to to get to these ideas? I mean, you, you mentioned revenge, you mentioned, you know, getting back at oppressors or whatever. You know, there's people that are, mm -hmm. don't even see it that way in the sense that, you know, revenge is bad. It's a resentment that you want to you want to have the same power as them you want to but use it differently or or however mm. you could phrase it or some people say no i'm against uh, governance and some people say no i am for good government or some people say i am against society and others say no i want people to get along in society you know mm. it's like this dissonance this cacophony that is interpreted by some as richness some people might say it's intellectually flimsy in the sense that either you haven't made up your mind or you're just contorting what you believe to fit whatever the next person says and you have no mm. no consistency no coherence like what is it that you're after is it a fixed goal is it a you know like a like a principle you live by, a philosophy, is it an aesthetic thing? And, you know, people are saying, no, it's not either or, it's both and. It's, you know, wow, I'm mm -hmm. so clever. I overcame any type of conflict by including everyone and everything. <laughs> no, that's, it's like a, a lot of wordplay rhetoric and slimy social movement, not movements, but it's like power plays or, or rhetoric, that, you know, dynamics, I don't know, whatever. It's just like, yeah, sure. I see it both ways. I, I know that we are enriched by people's different takes, differences, experiences, 
But at the same time, there has to come a point where you recognize, okay, sure, these guys are cool, but they're not talking about the same thing I am. They're never going to try to go for the things, same things I am. And I might as well never talk to them about this topic again because they're not even talking about this. They're talking about something else, but using the same words. So I might even forego talking about this at all because maybe talking about something else with normies, so, you know, quote unquote, you'll get to do what you want even if you're not using the same terms because people use different terms to mean different things and, and so on, you know, fucking language mm -hmm. and society. And, you know, we're saying there's differences within the movement, there's difference in the world at large, but at the same time, people are people. So there's some commonality with people all over, the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like, yeah, this tension that we're not special just because we're talking about these things. We're not the first people to think about these things in these terms and in other terms that other people have used throughout history. And like you said that you get lost when you think about this in a macro way, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes, yeah, I can get lost in a micro way as well. Cause it's like, you know, what, what am I for really? Like all of these things, you know, it's like, like rock, paper, scissors, almost like one trumps the other. And it's like a context based thing. Uh -huh. So you end up, you know, if you consider them all at once, you end up like checkmating yourself, like in a cycle <laughs> and you can only like be yeah. one at a time, but it's not like you can be one all the time. And it's, uh, Because, you know, people that believe in progress, and that's the thing, I, I began as a naive person, like many people, thinking that there are things that can be solved and that there can be progress. But now, once that that is out of the window, and I cannot delude myself to think that I'm some type of ubermensch that has overcome resentment or something like that, like I'm fucking resentful <laughs> of many things, and I don't think that necessarily <laughs> a bad thing. Like, my morals do not say that it's bad to hold a grudge, you know, there are things that make me angry and things <laughs> that I detest. And that does inform my worldview. It's not something I'm trying to overcome. It's just how I'm going to be about it, you know. Yeah, like I don't have qualms about that, but some people do. Some are like, that's like the center of their whole rhetoric, overcoming that. But I don't know. Uh, where do you go from there? Do you, do you end up withdrawing? Do you end up just talking about people but avoiding certain disagreements or discussions that, you know, are kind of like mood or how you go about that? I don't know. How do I go about it? I have different people in my life that hold different positions that are in tension with each other. And when I feel like prioritizing a certain framework or if I'm trying to, what's an example? Like if I am trying to do some kind of social, more social project or whatever, I mean, it's not, don't really do activist stuff. But, you know, if something that can be described more as some kind of social thing, like I'm going to go to somebody in my life that thinks in those terms and is like eager to do that kind of stuff. Maybe we'll still have disagreements and maybe we still won't have, won't be able to do stuff together, but we're more likely than like the person that I go to, to have conversations about like some existential, like uh, more like individualist, like analysis of our daily life or something. Right. So I don't know. Yeah. It's like, I, again, like I was saying to you earlier when we were talking, um, I look at it more like priorities. So at, at different parts of my life, I have different priorities in relation to different feelings that I have or different kind of ambitions. I have different priorities that might be sometimes more social, sometimes more kind of introspective. And so I will seek out people that think like that, you know, or that are thinking in those ways at that time. 
problem with priority sometimes is that usually the priority is to survive. So, I mean, differences get put to the side for the sake of survival and conviviality, like getting by, just eating, just doing normal things that everyone does. So, I mean, there's not anything done besides that and society continues as it does. And I would like to stress that there's a difference between overcoming differences and just brushing them aside for the sake of conveniences and never addressing them like and that's okay as well but that's for example look at all the different things people do there's like litter block they were like putting trash in the streets and then there's the other people that mm -hmm. their idea of doing the thing is like picking up that same garbage and putting it in trash cans <laughs> neatly and then yeah. you have other contradictions like some people would think making power grids for everyone micro solar things is the way to go while you have other people sabotaging energy infrastructure you know mm -hmm. and, and making people be without power and internet cutting fiber optic cables and 5g towers so mm -hmm. How can these very opposite, concrete opposite things coexist? And some people take the stance of saying, oh, the, yeah, they can't coexist. We're mortal enemies. Anyone who does that is against the people. And or anyone who does that is against my wild will or whatever. The point is, if you're really, you can say, consistent in ideas or principles or actions, you're going to butt heads with these other people. That are, It's not like a, a very over... You know, it's not a small difference. These are really big differences. And if mm -hmm. you're not so extreme about any of these, and you can kind of see both, like, what do you even do? You just fall back into, you know, the status quo, just doing what everyone is doing, because it's not like you can convince one or the other. Or, I don't know. There's no resolution. That's why the appeal of the wall of all against all is that you know from the start is... It's not about a resolution. It's an ongoing thing that's always going to be ongoing. So it's just pick your pick your flavor of misery. Just do whatever. Do it. Go with it. Someone's going to have a counterplay to everything you do. It's not about, you know, it's not about the impenetrable position. It's just about movement or whatever. I don't think I really get to the point very much where I'm like, oh, I'm holding all of these contradictory positions or I can have an understanding for all these different positions and it makes me become a normie or something. Or like everything makes sense. Therefore, I will just join mainstream society or something. Again, for me, the, that, that you yeah. join it, but that you are already part of it, you know, that it's like, unless you're doing mm -hmm. something really out of the box, like, you know, people that are whatever, doing night ops or, or knocking down islands. I mean, what what is it to print a book? Like normies print books. What is it to have a party? Normies have parties. What is it to, you know, all these other things that kind of like look radical within the movement or whatever they're just mm -hmm. things that other people do as well like there's some pretty rad hippies doing things uh, you know natural medicine mm -hmm. or you know whatever you name it there's someone in some other movement calling it some other thing also doing it so does that mean that everyone is already doing the thing so hooray success we already won or does it mean <laughs> that this is not like the big thing we should be focusing on or there's no bigger we anyway so uh, you know it's this conflict what that i'm referring to it's not so much like falling out of the idea it's more like is anything really doing anything i, I don't know so yeah I'm, i'm not expecting to sound too coherent so yeah i'm just gonna now leave you go <laughs> with the full response yeah i think it just depends on on 
what's going on for that person. Like, I, again, it's like hard for me. I don't think there's one answer at all. And at different points in my life where I have interacted with these ideas in different ways, maybe because I was looking at different parts of myself or again, like I was having different priorities. I try to find ways to interact with parts of myself that I see as a product of this society the most, right? Like I prioritize, like I run into a thing where I'm like, well, I'm being some type of way, like I'm being classist or I'm being sexist or something. And I'm like, okay, I need to, maybe right now I need to prioritize this or like, I'm like, oh shit, I work full time or something and it it doesn't feel very free to me. So like, how can I, what tools can I use to like subvert those things that are happening in my life that are taking away my ability to do a more anarchy related thing or whatever, you know? So I don't think there's like one answer. You just kind of, I guess, I mean, you said this, but it's like you do the best that you can, I guess. Right. And I just find ways to be conflictual either within myself or both within myself and within my surroundings in ways that make sense at that time. And so when I look back at me doing anarchy stuff or being an anarchist, whatever, that's looked different ways throughout my life. And I want to like continue doing that. And I also recognize that that's been a process of kind of getting closer to who I want to be and how I want to interact with my surroundings. I mean, there's, there's real ways that I can kind of look at in my own life and in who I am that like today or maybe I don't know like I have an easier time dealing with certain things that I dislike you know or I have an easier time at finding ways to attack them both within myself and then within my surroundings and I don't know I mean maybe I, I think yeah like you're right like regular people do that as well sometimes and maybe you know maybe they do it all the time even and they don't have to call that anarchy but that's kind of what the process of trying to live an anarchist life has been for me. And so, yeah, you know, like there was a time where I did more social projects because I wanted to affect larger society. And then I reached the point where I realized I had to do more introspective introspective work and kind of uh, read more individualist stuff or more nihilist stuff or talk to more people that are more focused on that aspect. And it's like, it's allowed me to be more of who I am to go through these kind of stages. And now I can have, I can understand better when I encounter people from that are prioritizing whatever more social stuff or not. I can kind of understand it because I'm like, you know, because I've kind of done that too. I've had the, pro, I've like prioritized doing social projects at a time in my life. I can, I can kind of understand why people would be doing that when I encounter it. Having some understanding of it in my own context pushes me to try to understand them more. Sometimes I'm like, of course, I can't do that with everyone around me and stuff. But if I care about a person and there's not that many people I interact with on this kind of deeper level. But if I want to do stuff with them, if I want to understand them more, if I want to engage conflictually together with them, it helps that I've gone through some of this stuff, you know, or that I've prioritized a bunch of different ways of thinking or engaging with anarchy. And I want to continue learning different people's like reasoning, I guess, and reasons for doing things the way that they do. Uh, but 
again, I mean, I to go back to both what I was saying earlier and to what you started out saying, like, sometimes it does just look like a different framing of having some regular life. And when I realize that's what's happening, I usually become disinterested or that's been that's been kind of the trend for me is like when I realize someone is just uh, using some kind of nihilist language, but they're really just being whatever, like doing what every normal ass person is doing beyond just surviving, but also having like similar ambitions and stuff and similar values, then I become dis disinterested in having like a friendship with them, you know? That comment that you mentioned about friendships is like also that's something that's conflated a lot. Like what is the difference or, you know, affinity versus friendship? Like, mm -hmm. Like, I have friends, I, I have family, I, we, we don't agree on any of these things, we, they're normies, like, you know what I mean? It's like, of course we can overcome differences for the sake of friendship, family, convenience, survival, or that. But like, when you go out into the world supposedly seeking affinity, is that the same thing that you want to do? You know, just, you know, be buddies with whoever's nice to talk to? I mean, of course that sounds pleasant, <laughs> but it's like, you know, what are... You know, what's the difference between that and just talking to any normie and just doing whatever? I mean, you know, I'm not recommending one thing or the other. It's just that, like you said, one can so easily, I mean, not one, but at least I, and it sounds a lot like you as well, that we can empathize with other people so we can see their point of view and, and know what, why they're doing things, even if we don't want to. And we may even want them to succeed or have a good time and at what they're doing, even if we don't want to go along with them. But like, mm. that doesn't sound like a point of unity that that sounds like uh, just live and let live as if that's just the motto, then, you know, there's no joining forces, I could say. I mean, yeah, you're joining people just not to like add as a big subversive thing. You're just going along. I, I don't know. I don't know how to say this. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, to respond, like, I mean, yeah, it's nice to have friends. It's nice to have friends that you have shared values with. It's been nice for me to have anarchist friends. Um, and then there comes, you know, through getting to know those people, like there comes moments where I'm like, oh, shit, I want to do this thing. And I have this friend or a few friends that I think could help me do it. And that comes from getting to know people and like getting to understand their position and what their priorities are, what interests them, what they see as part of their anarchist practice. And sometimes like there's just moments like that come up, you know, in which you experience like the friendship becomes a point, a, a point of affinity, which allows you to do a thing together. And like that's not a static thing, you know, like then you just go back to being friends again. And maybe you continue talking about this stuff or or you don't, but like you have an understanding that like, yeah, when, you know, there's certain things that if I want to do, I kind of know who I can do them with, or I know who's interested and excited about doing things like that. And I can bring it to those people or that person. Yeah, it's not just the live and let live. It's like you live and let live until it's time, you know, until it's time to become an affinity group or whatever, or until it's time to explore whether you have affinity with each other and can do a common project. And for me, that means just being vigilant and paying attention to what people care about, I guess, and what they're excited about. And then also paying attention to my surroundings so that if I see a moment in which I can, that friendship can become an affinity and that can be used to, you know, do a thing that makes both of us happy or more free or whatever, like I, I, I seize the opportunity. So yeah, I don't know. I just, it's, it's, it to me seems like in this conversation, we're trying to find 
some kind of more permanent like answer or more static like understanding of this stuff and it just hasn't been that for me yeah i mean i guess it's like a more normal thing but like i like certain people i want to get to know them better i also understand that when i do that with anarchists there might come times where like we can do some anarchy shit together and and so i look for what that means with those particular people that all makes sense that's a like a good phrase to wrap it up but like you know to, to like throw away like an ironic remark that kind of hints at like oh my confusion or my inner conflict is like if you say like the downfall of civilization is the friends we made along the way and <laughs> it kind of like doesn't make sense or it does but it you know it like it, it makes more sense if a folk and this is not responding to you but like to you know brother approaches Like, it makes sense if your focus is on making and building relationships and maintaining relationships, if you're the social type, stereotype. But if you're all about, like, make total destroy, and then you end up focusing on relationships, it's like, um, you're not making any, even partial destroys, you're just not. So why even say that? Or whatever. It's like, real literally what you just said. Sometimes I, and this is like a personal fault, whatever. I want clarity and consistency where people including myself express here with all my incoherence you know people have contradictions and incoherence and there's no clarity and part of that is what you say of adapting to circumstances and social contexts and whatever so yeah there's no final answer and that's like we we knew that from the start but yeah <laughs> it was a nice conversation uh, do you have anything more to add Yeah, I don't know. Just um, like I agree, there's not one answer. That to me is both challenging and also really beautiful. I I don't want like what would be the point if there was just some answer, you know, and I could just, you know, I like if I had complete clarity as to what to do, it just I probably get bored, honestly. But the fact that is this constantly changing, murky thing where I do have to adapt to what's going on in my life, like makes me want to keep doing it. It's like, uh, it's a way of interacting with my own conditions and my own mind and my own surroundings. That's actually exciting. Like, I don't want to have one answer. I love that there's like a different answer for every moment or something, you know, that's exciting. It feels like, um, yeah, I don't know. It feels, this is, I fucking hate this word, but I'm going to use it. It feels like it gives me an opportunity to actually make like a piece of art out of my life or something, you know? Like I'm having to constantly change. I'm constantly having to do this stuff instead of like, instead of just, you know, having some party line or some static fucking thing that I just like, I'm trying to accomplish all the time. It just feels really, I don't want to have some mechanical relationship to my life and my surroundings. Like that's not, that doesn't seem fun. Probably it would be easier maybe, but it just sounds boring, you know? And it also doesn't really seem to me like how the world works. You know, it is constantly changing and all of this. And you look at, you look at like tankies and shit and like they, for like a hundred years I've been trying to do the same fucking thing, acting as if they're living in the same world that existed 120 years ago. Like, and it's fucking boring and it's just like ridiculous. Like it looks ridiculous from the outside. And I don't want to, I don't want to even resemble that at all. You know, I want to have an interesting life. That's fun. Uh, yeah, good. That's like a... Like, wow, Vicky's such a cool guy. It's so well-adjusted and, and smart and shit. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs>
No, that's nice. That's a nice way of putting it. But, uh, you know, we, we can think ourselves into corners sometimes and not sound like mm -hmm. that. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, thank you for the conversation and everyone else. Uh, have a nice day. Thank you, everyone. Welcome to another reading from the Anarchist Library, where we bring you something relevant, topical, or at least interesting, written by and or about anarchists. This week, I'll be reading an excerpt from Seeing Like a State by James C. Scott. Be sure to check out the Anarchist Library for this and other fine works, and you can join the conversation at shh, this is a library, at shh.anarchyplanet.org. The Centralization of Traffic Patterns The linguistic centralization impelled by the imposition of Parisian French as the official standard was replicated in a centralization of traffic. Just as the new dispensation in language made Paris a hub of communication, so the new road and rail systems increasingly favored movement to and from Paris over interregional or local traffic. State policy resembled, in computer parlance, a hardwiring pattern that made the provinces far more accessible, far more legible, 
to central authorities than even the absolutist kings had imagined. Let us contrast, in an overly schematic way, a relatively uncentralized network of communication, on one hand, with a relatively centralized network, on the other. If mapped, the uncentralized pattern would be the physical image of the actual movements of goods and people along routes not created by administrative fiat. Such movements would not be random. They would reflect both the ease of travel along valleys, by watercourses, and around defiles, and also the location of important resources and ritual sites. Weber captures the wealth of human activities that animate these movements across the landscape. They served professional pursuits, like the special trails followed by glassmakers, carriers or sellers of salt, potters, or those that led to forges, mines, quarries, and hemp fields, or those along which flax, hemp, linen, and yarn were taken to market. They were pilgrimage routes and procession trails. If we can imagine, for the sake of argument, a place where physical resources are evenly distributed and there are no great physical barriers to movement, such as mountains or swamps, then a map of paths in use might form a network resembling a dense concentration of capillaries. The tracings would, of course, never be entirely random. Market towns based on location and resources would constitute small hubs, as would religious shrines, quarries, mines, and other important sites. In the French case as well, the network of roads would have long reflected the centralizing ambitions of local lords and the nation's monarchs. The point of this illustrative idealization, however, is to depict a landscape of communication routes that is only lightly marked by state centralization. It would resemble, in many ways, the cityscape of late 14th century Bruges shown earlier. Beginning with Colbert, the state-building modernizers of France were bent on superimposing on this pattern a carefully planned grid of administrative centralization. Their scheme, never entirely realized, was to align highways, canals, and ultimately rail lines to radiate from Paris like the spokes of a wheel. The similarity between this grid and the tiers-air of the well-managed state forest, as conceived by Colbert, was not accidental. They were both devised to maximize access and to facilitate central control, and the kind of simplification involved was, again, entirely relative to location. For an official at the hub, it was now much easier to go 2A or 2B along the new routes. The layout was designed to serve the government and the cities, and lacking a network of support, thoroughfares had little to do with popular habit or need. Administrative highways, a historian of the center called them, were made for troops to march on, and for tax revenues to reach the treasury. For anyone wanting to travel or to move goods between A and B, however, things were not so simple. Just as all documents had to pass through the official legal language, so too did much of the commercial traffic have to pass through the capital. The driving engineer behind this esprit géométrique was, and has remained, the renowned engineers of the Corps des Ponts et Chaussées. Victor Legrand, the director of Pont et des Chaussées, was the originator of the Belle Idée of seven grand lines of junction linking Paris to points from the Atlantic to the Mediterranean. His plan became known as the Legrand Star, and was proposed first for canals and then, with greater effect, for railroads, among them the Gare du Nord and the Gare de l'Est. As a centralizing aesthetic, the plan defied the canons of commercial logic or cost-effectiveness, the first phase of the grid, the line from Paris East to Strasbourg and the frontier, ran straight through the plateau of Brie rather than following the centers of population along the Marne. 
By refusing to conform to the topography in its quest of geometric perfection, the railway line was ruinously expensive compared to English or German railroads. The army had also adopted the Pont-Nechalze logic, believing that direct rail lines to the borders would be militarily advantageous. They were proven tragically wrong in the Franco-Prussian War of 1870-1871. This retrofitting of traffic patterns had enormous consequences, most of which were intended. Linking provincial France and provincial French citizens to Paris and to the state, and facilitating the deployment of troops from the capital to put down civil unrest in any department in the nation. It was aimed at achieving, for the military, control of the nation, what Haussmann had achieved in the capital itself. It thus empowered Paris and the state at the expense of the provinces, greatly affected the economics of location, expedited central fiscal and military control, and severed or weakened lateral cultural and economic ties by favoring hierarchical links. At a stroke, it marginalized outlying areas in the way that official French had marginalized local dialects. シングルが5月10日に発売です。皆さんよろしくお願いします。